In the name of one God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning. Uh, Many of you, I expect, will remember the 1981 movie, Chariots of Fire, the Oscar-winning best picture of that year. It's based on the true story of two British Olympic sprinters in the 1920s, Eric Little and Harold Abrahams. Eric Little was a devout Christian who famously declined to compete in the Olympics because his race was scheduled for a Sunday. And Harold Abrahams was Jewish, and he was running in an effort to overcome anti-Semitism. I was just a boy when this movie came out. I do remember uh, the famous scene, you know, with the runners running on the beach and the synthesizer playing. But the truth is, there are lots of scenes in that movie uh, that preachers love to recall, even 42 years later. Uh, But one scene that I have become aware of over the years, I've seen a few times, uh, it's it's a scene that's always resonated with me. Uh, It is a scene in which Harold Abrahams is about an hour away from competing in the Olympic finals of the 100-meter sprint. And he is afraid. He is afraid. Now, I would imagine, I've never been in a situation quite like that. I imagine the, the pressure uh, must be enormous. Just the and fear and anxiety on some level seem reasonable. But in this scene, he gets philosophical about how his sense of identity, his sense of who he is, his sense of self, how it's It's based on, it rests in his success as a runner. But he's still not sure who he is. And he's speaking to a friend and he says, I'm always chasing, but never sure of what I'm after. And then he describes to the friend that in just a few minutes, he's going to come to the starting line. He will look down that track four feet wide, his, his own lane, and he says, I will have ten seconds to justify my existence, but will I? I will have ten seconds to justify my existence, but will I? Now, I... At least for me, these statements just feel so honest. You know, I'm always chasing, never sure what I'm after. Ten seconds to justify my existence. Just so honest, really true to our experience. Because most of us at some point in our lives, I'm sure, know what it's like to ask the question, who am I? And not know the answer. In the movie, Abraham's sense of identity rested on his success as a runner because who would he be if he didn't win? And who was he going to be once he could not run as fast anymore? Now, for you and me, it's probably not Olympic-level sprinting. But our sense of identity could certainly rest in our careers. We could place it in our marriage. We could place it in our kids and their accomplishments, our status, our reputation in the community, our finances, anything, a host of things. And it's fine, I think, for a while. It may even be functional until something happens to that thing. We put our 
sense of self in our career, but we get laid off. Or our reputation uh, tells us who we are, but our reputation gets smeared. Or uh, just being a parent of successful kids, but then our kid goes off the rails. If we're relying on those things to tell us who we are, then suddenly that all-important question doesn't have an answer. Who am I? I want for us to look this morning at the Old Testament passage. It's really the most famous passage in Ezekiel, which I think is the scariest book in the Bible. But the prophet Ezekiel is speaking to a people, and this is about several hundred years before Jesus, but is speaking to a people who collectively are in the midst of an identity crisis. Because the people of Israel are not in Israel. They are in exile. They're in Babylon. Now, their whole sense of who they were as God's people rested in the fact that God had given their ancestors their land. By birthright, they worshiped the one true God on God's holy mountain in Jerusalem. Their people had won their land because God had fought for them. His land was His gift to His people. And His people knew that they were His people because they lived in His land. But now they don't. They've been defeated. Jerusalem has been destroyed. And they have been carted off to a foreign land, to be assimilated into a foreign culture that worshipped foreign gods. The thing that they relied on to tell them who they were had been taken from them, or they had been taken from it, I guess. And if they're not in God's land, are they still God's people? They don't know. And what are they going to do about it? They don't know. And it is into this spiritual lostness that God gives the prophet Ezekiel a vision to illustrate the spiritual life of Israel. Now Ezekiel doesn't yet know what the vision is about. He just sees that God sets him down in a valley. And it was not a... You know, I think of a valley like this beautiful green, you know, flowers blooming. Not that kind of valley, right? Arid, brown, dusty. And all he sees from one side of the valley to the other are dry bones. Human skeletons laying on the ground under the hot sun as far as the eye can see. I think that would have been unnerving, (laughs) God is saying that spiritually, His people are dry bones in their lostness, in their disappointment about their present, in their disillusionment with the lack of God's action for them, in their bitterness against the Babylonians, in their lack of answers to the big questions, in their lostness, they are spiritually dead. Now, is it their fault? I mean, probably some. They didn't listen to the prophets who told them to return to the Lord. Is it life's fault? Sure. Life's hard. 
But it just is what it is. I mean, notice that God is not complaining to Ezekiel that they're dead. He's not pronouncing judgment upon them for being dead. He's just showing Ezekiel what the situation is. They have been scorched by the hot sun of life's misfortune, and spiritually they are very dry. They can't move. They're not sure which end is up. I wonder if you've ever felt like that in your spirit. And God says to Ezekiel, mortal, can these bones live? No. What's the obvious answer to this? No. No, they can't live. They got no power in themselves to help themselves. They're going to be there till they turn to dust. Can these bones live? They're bones. Ezekiel does seem to know a thing or two about God because it feels like a trick question. Like I know the answer is no, but it feels like I'm supposed to say yes. And so he hedges. And he says, well, Lord, you know. And the more I thought about it, you know, that's really a pretty good answer. Because he couldn't have known that the bones could live any more than Martha in our gospel passage could have known that Jesus would raise Lazarus from the dead. Or any more than Peter could have known that God would raise Jesus from the dead. Because we don't know what's possible with God even when we say all things are possible with God. But Ezekiel knew that no matter what the answer looked like it ought to be to him, no matter his own doubts and misgivings, God had the answer. And friend, if you find yourself in a dry season like this, with no power in yourself to help yourself, no matter what the answer looks like to you, God has the answer. He knows And in fact, God is the answer. And so the Lord tells Ezekiel to do two things. He tells Ezekiel to preach, and he tells Ezekiel to pray. To preach and to pray. First, he tells Ezekiel to preach. Speak to the bones. Tell them. Hear the word of the Lord. Tell them to listen to the word of God, to Trust the truth of God to hear the scriptures of God and tell them. I want you to promise them that I will put my spirit in them. And so within this vision, Ezekiel speaks to the dry bones and he tells them what God told him to say. Hear the word of the Lord. This is the vocation of a preacher to his people. Not to give his best jokes, not to give his thoughts on current events or his opinion on living your best life. No, hear the word of the Lord. And the word of the Lord spoken over these dry bones begins to do its work. And there's a rattling. The bones start to shake and they start coming together and lining up the leg bone connecting to the hip bone and all of that and and the word of the Lord starts to form them 
The bones are no longer dry, but they're equipped for action, muscle, and, and, and flesh, and skin. But the Word of the Lord must be accompanied by the Spirit of the Lord. And so God commands Ezekiel to call upon the breath of God. Breathe upon these slain. Breathe upon these who have endured life's hardship. These who have wandered from You, O Lord. Ezekiel calls upon the Spirit of God, and that is the vocation of prayer. And prayer is the command of God here. Ezekiel spoke the Word of God to the bones, and he spoke the needs of the bones to God. And the Lord, who loves to give life, enters the people by His Spirit. And the body, which has been equipped by the Word of God, now stands by the Spirit of God, ready to do the will of God. Can these dry bones live? Can these spiritually parched souls have spiritual life? By the Word of God and the Spirit of God, the answer is always a resounding yes. Yes. But do you see that this actually also answers the who am I question too, doesn't it? By word and and spirit, they have regained a sense of who they are as God's people. And they're not even back in their own land yet. They will be. God says, I'm going to put you on your own soil. That's that's really kind of a bonus. They are... They are who they are called to be, where they are called to be now, because they are once again in a right relationship with God. By the Word of God and the Spirit of God. How did they come, how did they move from being dry bones to right relationship? Word of God spoken over them, the Spirit of God placed in them. I don't know what sort of season you're in right now. Right? Whether you're answering uh, those questions or some other of life's difficult, lost sort of questions. I don't know what you're uncertain about in your future. But I know that your God is a God who loves to give life. I know that in the chaos I know that in the lostness, I know that in the confusion or the despair, that that's where God does some of His very best work. That's where we become open to the Word of God and the Spirit of God. I know that God gives life to the dead. That's the Christian pattern. Something feels dead to us, that's where God brings it alive. Because it was sealed, that promise is sealed by the death and resurrection of His own Son. Word of God, Spirit of God, over you and in you. Let's pray. Dear God, I ask that you would give us your Spirit. Speak over us your truth, Lord God. Help us to have confidence in what you can resurrect among us. Where we are feeling lost, where we are feeling dry or in despair, Help us to see your truth 
and, and receive your spirit, Lord God. I pray for this congregation. Give us confidence in your word and give us hearts to receive your spirit. Bring life, Lord, where there seems only to be dryness. We trust that you can and you will. That is your Easter promise over us. Amen. Thank you.